Thank you for tuning in to the First Gen Hunter Podcast, the go-to resource for those seeking to establish a foundation in hunting knowledge, skills, and tactics. Well, 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 look what's back on a Thursday. Yeah, it's been a long time since I've launched an episode on a Thursday. You remember back in the old days, back when uh, life was a little bit more predictable and controlled, I guess you'd say. There used to be a podcast episode on every single Thursday. And uh, it kind of feels good to be getting back to that a little bit. Hey, if you didn't catch the announcement on the last episode, I do have another podcast that I host. Now, I don't have to do any of the editing on this other podcast or anything like that. I just got to share my thoughts, basically, and, you know, interview some people. And I'm joined by a super talented uh, host on that one, Mr. Nicholas Lirio who I work with at my new job, Hoxie Native Seeds. And the podcast is called The Prairie Farm Podcast. So make sure you go and check that out. And you should definitely check it out this week because it is Pollinator Week. Uh, Good old Pheasants Forever set up Pollinator Week and uh, just a wonderful time to celebrate those critically important organisms that uh, help us with all the, you know, not all, but a lot of the food that we eat is directly dependent upon those pollinators so uh, make sure you go check that out at pheasants forever Uh, they're good friends of this show and and uh, we've had several of their uh, i guess you could just for lack of a better term employees on this podcast and uh, we even had a few of them on the prairie farm podcast so uh, definitely check out both those things well hey this episode is one that i have been dying to release uh, because of the bear hunt and and the conversations that we had for the podcast around that i had to release that beforehand but we recorded this one a while ago but i think i think there's a point here i say that it's like easter weekend when this was recorded but i recorded with one of the absolute top interviewees on this podcast mr brad willie from white mountain buck trackers out there in the great live free or die state of new hampshire and brad does just a phenomenal job breaking down what it is they do with their buck tracking method of hunting and i think you're going to agree with me there's not a cooler sounding thing out there uh so primal so you know just back to the roots of what our ancestors would have been doing to get food that's what they're doing out there and they have to cover a lot of ground a lot of rough terrain but man are they good at it and you'll see that reflected in the title of this episode which has something to do with a new england hat trick that's because brad tagged three yes three bucks last year from three different new england states so you'll get to hear all about that in this episode but before i uh, sign off here and get you going into the regular show don't forget about spartan forge it's that summer prep work time of year yeah it's that time of year for all you that didn't get all your summer or all your uh, off-season prep done during the spring we've had uh 
Chris Dyer and Garrett Fike talk about that on this podcast before about how that's the time of year to get that work done. Well, that time has come and gone, people. It's like a bajillion degrees out now, and uh, your shirt's going to be sticking to your back like wet saran wrap, and your the bugs are going to be humming around your face. But hey, come October and November, you're going to be glad you got it done and endured the sweaty mess uh, this time of year. So make sure you're getting out and doing that summer prep work, but that only gets you so far, right? You need to add some other tools to the toolbox, and Spartan Forge is one of the best tools you can possibly pick up to put in that toolbox. It has great mapping features on it, and you can save waypoints and, and uh, you know mark different features that you come across when you're out in the field. But most importantly, it has the deer behavior predictor feature. And what that's based off of is hundreds, if not even by this point, thousands of years of deer behavior data. I think clear back when we hosted Bill on this podcast, I think he said they were around 700 years and that was like well over a year ago. So I'm sure he's picked up more radio collar data. And even if he hasn't, the map has gotten so much better that uh, the detail on that is unrivaled by any other app that I've seen. So you need to get yourself a Spartan Ford subscription and uh, make sure you tell them that First Gen Hunter sent you there. All right, let's go ahead and get into this one. A big milestone episode here, episode number 90 here on the First Gen Hunter podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Deer season may feel a million miles away sitting here, Easter weekend, good Friday of Easter weekend. And, uh, you know, we're in April, mid-April, and deer season doesn't open up even in Brandon State, you know, where they basically hunt deer year-round there in Delaware, doesn't open up until the beginning of September there. And for uh, the more normal folks like uh, Alex and myself, and I think even for Brad too, we got to wait all the way till October until we get to start chasing after deer. But it's always on my mind. I don't know if it's always on Alex's mind because he also goes and arrows a giant elk and uh, musk ox <laughs> and stuff like that. But uh, I'm going to guess that it's probably pretty much always on brad's mind too but brad's a little bit bigger turkey hunter than i am so he's probably a little preoccupied with that right now uh dri- driving to work with uh, <laughs> a, a mouth call a, a diaphragm call and and uh everything else that you do during turkey season but it's never a bad time to talk about deer hunting and brad is a a guest on the show, and Brad, you probably don't know this, but you had one of the biggest episodes, the the, the most listened to episodes, definitely top oh, wow. three, possibly number two overall. And uh, yeah, you you're way up there on the rankings, buddy. And uh, it's been <laughs> awesome. That's right. Put All that right. on a resume. Uh, but <laughs> it's so good to have you back on the show, man. It's been too long. Well, thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. And that's, that's great. You, you know, you guys are doing a super job. I appreciate everybody listening and, and supporting your program. So yeah, it's definitely, definitely awesome. 
Yeah, for sure. Well, we appreciate your kind words as well. And you've always been a big supporter of our show. So we're super thankful for, for you and for everything going on at White Mountain Buck Trackers, which is pretty much the coolest YouTube channel there is on YouTube. Um, you know, uh, the hat, one of the most frequently worn hats that I have is my White Mountain Buck Trackers hat. Uh, yeah. I, I, in fact, I wear it so much I had to throw it in the washing machine because because wow. it was getting it was getting the old salt ring and everything else going on it. Man, I I love that hat; super comfortable, fits my head well, and uh, proud to represent. What a cool thing you guys have been doing up there since I, b- I believe 1952. Is that is that what the logo says? Well, that's what the logo says. So we this this whole thing started as. Um, just kind of a deal with my my uh, my father and and myself and it really just started as we were just hardcore hunters and we're like you know we, let's make a patch you know mm-hmm. I picked yep. a date and it was it was my old man's birthday year and uh, so we threw it on there as a patch and then it came about that we took some pictures I I had a personal Instagram and then somebody you know was like whoa what do I get one of those patches? And then we were like, well, we just can't change it now. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it'll be forever known as my dad's birthday, you know? Uh, there so, you go. I like yeah, it. But the, the patch was the big hit. And then we just, we, we blew up from there and we had so much fun with it. I, I have a great, I have a lot of fun with just, I create the shirts, the designs myself um, and, and everything. So, I just have a lot of fun with that. It's my creative, uh, my creative nature go to go to town. So it's it's good stuff. I love it, man. Yeah, you do a nice job with that. It's all cool stuff, stuff that you're proud to wear. So, yeah, if you haven't yet, make sure you get over to their Instagram page where I believe there's a link there that can get you. Uh, to where you can pick up a hat for yourself or a t-shirt or sweatshirt, whatever else they got, maybe even a patch. Um, but you definitely need to do that. And we'll give you, we'll give you those, you know, all the links that you need here later in the episode when we uh, wrap this one up. But for now, you know, let's get into, let's get into this deer hunting mode. So, uh, if you follow me on Instagram, you would have seen about two weeks ago, I got back my first ever shoulder mount. Now, it wasn't the first buck I ever killed, but it was definitely the, the first one that was worthy of And, hey, if somebody goes and gets a shoulder mount done on a on what a Heath Rayfield calls a South Carolina 11 point, which is a spike. <laughs> <laughs> That's worse than me in Michigan. <laughs> oh, man. But uh, if somebody goes and does that, more power to them, you know. But for me, it was just, I just always felt like, you know, this is, this is kind of a, you know, it's got a heavy price tag on it, and I want it to be a buck that just makes me, that when I walk up on it, I'm like, yep, that's a shoulder mount. And so I finally, finally tagged one this last season, season 2021, and uh, went down with my dad, which was a ton of fun, uh, cruising along with him. It's about an hour and a half to the taxidermist from their house. So uh, wow. uh, we we went over to their place for the weekend, and then my dad and I got up. Saturday morning, drove down, picked up the the buck and uh, brought it back home. And it was just, man, such a, such a cool thing to finally be in that position, you know, as a first gen hunter. But it's just like, since then, 
you know, you, you sit there in your living room, you stare at that thing, you know, and it's like, it gets you amped up for deer season oh, yeah. even earlier. You know what I mean? And I've also, if you've been following on, uh, on, uh, social media, I've been picking up a few sheds this season and, um, a couple of them have been real hammers by anyone's standards. And, uh, oh, yeah. they've, They've uh, <laughs> they've got me thinking about man. I hope I hope uh, my buddy Caleb and I can get some hunting permission in in the neck of the woods where we've been picking up these sheds. We've got shed shed hunting permission, but we haven't yet been able to lock in for sure some some hunting permission. So hopefully that'll be coming this fall, and I can get after some of these big deer that I've been picking up sheds for. But um, we do deer hunting totally different here in Iowa because our landscape is totally different than uh what brad is up against out there in new hampshire and uh uh even what alex experiences there kind of halfway in between us in michigan mm -hmm. and what i love about brad's style of hunting is it's a total accommodation for what what they're dealt with there as deer hunters in new hampshire you know you don't really think of new england as being a destination state to go and and chase after whitetails but the people living up there maybe maybe you guys are just really stubborn up there brad i don't know they they <laughs> they they say when they look at a, a tough ch challenge like hunting deer in new hampshire they just dig in and they say we're going to find a way and that's exactly what they've done and not only do they not only do they just tag you they're tagging nice mature bucks in the way that they do it. And I got to say, I think it's a little bit more, uh, maybe a, the right word I think I used earlier when I was introducing you to Alex was primitive. You know, what our ancestors thousands of years ago would have been doing, you know, reading sign, being really heavily dependent upon that sign and uh, going and finding the deer, not just, you know, slapping a tree stand on a, on a tree like we can get away with here in, in Iowa and waiting for the deer to come to us. You guys go and, and in a sense, create your own luck. And so I think that is just wildly cool. But um, we'll, uh, we'll kind of come back to that here in a little bit when I'm going to uh, ask you, Brad, to give us like the Cliff Notes version on how you know how you guys go about finding deer and tagging deer uh just because it's been a while since we had the last episode where you really explained that in great detail but just for the sake of those who may be tuning in for the first time i'll have you explain that again but before we do new hampshire you're gonna want to punch me for saying this brad but new hampshire is the sleeper state for turkeys in my opinion i what uh, I <laughs> you let the cat out of the bag. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I've spent a lot of time in New Hampshire because my in-laws live there, and uh, every time I go, I see a lot of turkeys. So uh, have have you been out yet this season? Um, I have not yet. We don't. Um, the youth weekend starts April twenty third and the twenty fourth. Okay. And then opening weekend is May 1st. So we're a little late compared to everybody else. I've been like drooling watching everybody down south start up in like, I think, March. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm like, what the heck, man? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we, we've got some good birds, you know. Um, down more south of me, you get some larger birds. There's a little bit more ag down there. Sure. Um, one check in station down there, 
um, I thought I thought I had a big bird. It was like 22 pounds, and he said, "Yeah, it's just a nice bird. The average has been 23 to 24." Oh wow. man! I'm like, and I get I he kind of took the the wind out of my sail. But, uh, <laughs> it's like, thanks, man. Don't tell me next time. <laughs> you got a baby right. bird. So they they hammered some big old easterns up here. So that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, and yeah. just I mean, it's just proof that you have the habitat, you got the birds, you know. And yeah. And I don't know what it is. Why why is it that people just don't view New England as as a hunting state? I, I really don't get it because every time I visit there, you know, I see granted New England's gonna have a a smaller population because they're smaller states and pretty right. rural rural states for that matter. Right. And it's just a difficult place. It's a miserable place for some people to hunt, you know, yeah. I mean, we do, I think it's every year we make outdoor life or field and stream, whatever it is of the 10 worst places to deer hunt. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so, which doesn't bother me. I, I uh, it works out, <laughs> yep. um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's never been like, yeah, like an Iowa or Nebraska or, you know, Ohio or something like that. It's just never been that. And I don't think it ever will be, but yeah. yeah. I think it's a lot better than it gets credit for though, for sure. I mean, you got the diversity of species, you got, you got yeah. plenty of public land and uh, you got a lot of passionate hunters out there that know what they're doing. You know, the, we, we interviewed, um, the guys from uh, uh, Rhode Island whitetails um, a while back. And man, just talking to those guys and following them and seeing what they're getting done in Rhode Island, you know, it's just, it's just really a testament to how good a hunting there is to be had up there in, in New England. And um, of course, what you guys do um, with White Mountain Buck Trackers really shows that as well. But we, we, uh, all that to say, I see you, New England hunters. I do. Any of you listening in, I see you. You guys are awesome. And um, you deserve more credit than you get, but maybe you don't want it anyways, because that gets more people chasing after your critters. But, <laughs> you know, you know, one other thing while we're on the point, I did get an issue of North American whitetail this past fall and it was really mm -hmm. cool because uh, one of the feature stories in there was a, a kid that played football with my youngest brother he had shot a I think it was a 233 inch monster in Illinois Wow! and yeah just an absolute freak shot it on opening day but then the very next uh, story was about the guy who shot i think it was a like a 185 in uh new england or in new hampshire actually and on okay. the on a big piece of like really limited access but yet public hunting area i think it was a refuge uh right yep. on the right on the coast you probably know what i'm i'm talking about there brad i can't remember the name of it but um uh, he, he got in there and arrowed just an absolute giant up there. So there are some really big deer running around in New Hampshire. And so, uh, you guys definitely deserve, deserve more credit than you get, but let's, uh, let's, let's kind of shift 
that focus now to just how exactly White Mountain Buck Trackers gets it done. So like I said, it's been about a year and a half since we've had Brad on the show. Way too long. Criminally wrong. Uh, we need to get you we need to get you back on to some hunt therapy episodes here um, in the future with more regularity. But um, can you just give like a, a Cliff Notes version of what the processes that you and your dad have kind of mastered uh, for tracking down whitetails, where you got the idea from and, and, you know, just how you use sign and everything else to, to roll into that method. I like to hunt wet areas, whether it's a swamp or just a trickle coming down the mountain. Um, I locate them by that. I look for rubs and signpost rubs, um, mostly signpost rubs, you know, where those bucks are going to keep coming to. Sure. Um, when we find, when we find those that's, you're in a, you're in a really hot area and you know I, I talked to a lot of people on instagram back and forth they asked me questions and so forth and like man i just can't find those signposts you know and, and a lot of it's to do with they maybe they don't know what it is or they confuse it with other things but yeah um, i've always been able to find signpost rubs and when we find those that's an area where you really want to kind of hang around and hone you know and once you find those areas um you know, hopefully you got good weather. This year was rough. We didn't have a lot of snow at all. Yeah, you know, um, I remember you. I remember you posting about that, saying that that was like really, yep. really adding a, a wrinkle of challenge. Yep. So I did a lot more um, still hunting and and grunting while still hunting, just trying to. And that's another piece of it too. That so when we're hunting, and you just you know you you get a maybe four or five days of perfect tracking weather all year. Sure. You know, that nice, that nice kind of snowman snow, I call it. It's nice and soft, mm. but it's not too yep. deep, you know? Yep. Yeah. Leave it crack and you can walk pretty carefully. Nothing's really stuck on the trees too much, you know, so you have good visual. Um, otherwise, if that's not happening, what I'm doing is I'm just trying to act like a deer, you know? Um, I'm not walking in the woods like a human where it's just... You know, sure. you break up your, you break, break up your steps. You do four or five steps. You look, you listen, you use your sense of smell. I've smelled them before while tracking. Um, you know, can, can, you know, can, we, throw, can we, can we stop there front. for, can we stop there for a second, Brad? Because I totally get that now. When you first said yeah. that, I was like, man, that, I don't know if I've ever like really, have been in an area you know i've heard of people doing that with elk like you can smell elk when you're really into elk. oh yeah i've never hunted elk but alex you would know this for sure um i've heard it from other guys that you when you're into elk you can really hunt them but i've never really heard anybody say that about deer until you said that when we interviewed you brad but then like yep. i don't remember if it was when i was shed hunting or just maybe when i was uh recovering my buck this year or something uh and i was just in like a really in an area that was just really thick with deer and you absolutely can kind of smell that rumen, like almost like yep. a cow smell, you know, and, yep. uh, you, you can just tell, man, I am in a bucky area, <laughs> you know? So yeah, I, I totally get that. Better smell is what I call it. <laughs> yeah. But I smell that and then my, my son even picks up on that. He'll smell it. He won't say anything. He'll just kind of look at me weird and just kind of make <laughs> kind of smell you know yeah. to him i go yeah 
I, I look at them like it's prime. You know? <laughs> it's awesome. Yep. So, yeah. It gets you excited, you know? So, Definitely. Yep. Yeah. So when I'm in, I'm in an area like that and you know, everything's coming together, I'm seeing those rubs, I'm seeing those, those heavy game trails, you know, and mm-hmm. I just kind of, I'll really pound those and, and start doing circles, you know? So and if, if I'm scouting out a new area, I'm just looking at it topographically and I'm looking for those terrain features. I'm looking for, like I said, those trickle or wet areas, but I also need some high ground. Sure. And like that Vermont deer this year, um, I'd, I'd been there once before, but where I shot him, I'd never been. And I, I just looked back and I was like, all right, that's a nice saddle right there. They like to travel through there, you know, mm-hmm. half of least distance, but usually some good feed in there. Um, there's usually some, uh, some sort of wet, uh, swamp or trickle there, you know, where they, those trees, like, um, we have like a brown ash tree that they love to use and they okay, leave their scent yeah. on that. So they like to tear those up and you're, you're going to usually find signposts there. And, you know, and if we don't, we're in those areas and we don't see a lot of buck sign at all. We just move on and check that box that we check that area and we just move on to the next area. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. That's a, that, that's a great review. Cause as you're saying this, I start remembering the, the things you said in the last episode. And if this is your first time tuning in, or at least your first time listening to Brad, go back to that episode. Um, I want to say it's, uh, around episode, Oh, might be around 20, 25 range. Uh, it was pretty early on in the show, but go back and listen because Brad really, you know, pulls out, he tells you where he's looking. And if you find yourself in an area like Brad and you want to, uh, get after, get after deer under those conditions, there's not a better person to learn it from. So definitely go back and listen to that. But this was a a great review of that. And, uh, man, I really want to come out and hunt deer in, in New Hampshire that I think it'd be so much fun to, to try that. So I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to put your plan into action one of these days, Brad, do my homework a little bit. But hey, hey, Brad, are you are you doing this on public land or private or both? So I I only hunt public land. Okay, that's awesome. Yeah. So whether it's national forest or what they used to call paper land, that's open to everybody. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, I tend to hunt more. Uh, yeah, mostly on national forests, I would say. And sure. um, so that so there's a there's a there's something behind that too. So if you go to like Northern Maine and they have a bunch of logging roads, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. The, the North Maine woods where you can, you can travel and okay. go everywhere and, and cut a track, right? You're still in public land. It's open to the public, but there's roads up there. It's like a grid system almost. Mm. So a lot of guys do that and they'll stay in their truck until they cut a track. And that's fine. But unfortunately in the national forest, you can't bring your truck into the <laughs> national forest. <laughs> yeah. And they close and the forestry guys close the gates that would be open, you know, anytime throughout the year, except hunting, you know, and when the sure. snow's there. Now your 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 mode of transportation is your feet. Yep. So you could spend a day or two scouting and not see anything, then finally you're you're starting to come into deer and then you you attack that. But it could take you a day or two if you're in a new area just to find deer. Yeah. 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 So, 
Well, I was going to ask you that, right? So, so a lot of times, if I'm on national forest, right, and I'm I'm looking at certain topography for, you know, for planning things, but uh, are you looking for certain features in a in a heavily forested environment? Like, are you looking for ridges? Are you looking for marshes? Like, what's your what's your predominant go to that you that you look at and say, gosh, that's that's good, that's good terrain for what I'm looking at to to inspect. Yep. So yeah, exactly. So I'm looking for, I'm looking for any wet area um, that's surrounded by um, maybe a, maybe a hilltop or two, um, some feeds, some brows. Maybe they just cut in there, you know, because they're still cutting on uh, permission to cut on those national forests. So I'm looking for like a two or three year old cut, mm. and I'll I'll hunt those transition areas around there, you know, where it's uh, hardwood to softwood and they'll stay right in there because the bucks are going to travel that same path those transitionaries they love to do that right yeah so yeah, i'll definitely. just uh, hover, hover in there and just you know um just scout it out still hunt it until i find a track if it's good tracking conditions you know if it's crunchy like it man like it was it was, it was crunchy something fierce this uh this fall mm. so i just <laughs> have to, had to miss I had to mimic a buck, you know? Right, like, yeah. Like I said, mm-hmm. two steps, grunt, look around, travel those transition areas, and just keep your head on a swivel. Yeah, that's I love that. How active that is. I mean, I I'm somebody who who just loves to be up and moving around like that, and and uh, that there's just so much appeal to that way of hunting. And I like how you're solving a puzzle the whole time too. You know, not that, that you aren't when you're ambush hunting, like you do in, in Iowa, you obviously got to put your stand in the right tree or something, but, but, uh, I don't know. I like the, the real time decision-making like that. I think that that adds a, a lot of fun to it or I would think it would anyways. So, well, like I told you, Kent, I mean, I give all the credit in the world to the stand hunters. You know? Yeah, I remember I, saying that. <laughs> I could not sit in the stand for eight to nine hours a day. Yeah. And that takes an incredible amount of discipline in itself. It's its own uh, technique, and it obviously works for the guys. I just can't do it. Yep. Um, I just can't sit still, and it's just not my style of hunting. I there's nothing against it. People shoot absolute monsters off the stands. Yep. Um, and there's scouting that obviously goes into that because if you're going to sit there all day, you better have done your homework. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good point. So, but, you know, I just can't do it. And I just, I love that, like you said, that primitive style or that traditional style and just getting after it. You, you feel more, a little bit more primal, if you will. Yeah, no, I love and that. And you learn, you could do this for years and you're going to learn something every track you take. Yeah. And the other thing is too, is a little different than stand hunting. You're in a new area and you, maybe you don't have the biggest track in the world, but you're like, ah, oh, well, there's not much going on here, but I'm just going to take this track right here. You take that and it's, they're going to bring you into their house Yeah. eventually. And then it's going to bring you into other deer. And then you're going to start learning more about that area. And that's, that's really what we do. We'll take a track, you know, if we're going in a new area, and we'll just take it. Heck with it, right? Yep. And we'll learn from that, and we'll start expanding our area. Yeah. So. No, I, I think that that's, there's a lot to be admired there with that style of hunting and uh, a lot of worth to it, you know, not even just the, the primal the primal connection that it gives you but i mean 
talk about needing to be in good physical condition if you're going to be if you're going to be doing stuff like that i mean it's it's one thing to walk miles in the wide open but when you're walking miles through the woods that's a whole different ball game you're tripping and stumbling and climbing over and and uh climbing under <laughs> sometimes going on yeah, all fours I, you know it's I hope, to be, I only hope to be doing it at my dad's age he's 70 so <laughs> man that's incredible nice. yeah well that's that's probably why he's still doing it though you know it keeps you young doing <laughs> doing stuff like that so that's that's, yep that's awesome well hey let's get to um your 2021 season so we kind of previewed that a little bit there when you mentioned that conditions weren't exactly ideal um there was you know a few more curveballs this last this last season for you but um all in all how it you know let's let's do a scale of one to five five being oh man best deer season we ever had where where was it for you guys there in in new england um, we're generally in my area, I'd probably hunting condition, give it a two and a half to three. Oh man. Uh, yeah, it wasn't Oof. terrible, but, and it was, it was just cold and crunchy. Um, oh. and it only got better, um, in Vermont. I'd want to say that the last part of muzzleloader season, Vermont. Okay. So, now, yeah. Now, when when you say it was it was crunchy, obviously that means you're alerting deer. Did you notice that you guys were spooking a lot of deer because of the ground cover being so noisy, or was it more like, man, we aren't seeing deer and we should be seeing deer? And you got the idea that because of the noise level, it was it was you know getting to the point where deer were spooking so early you weren't even seeing them. So. I only had one instance like that, just again, because we don't run into a lot of deer. Sure. You know, you have to really capitalize on those times that you do, but, um, we missed our, our corker buck, um, over, uh, usually it was a different area than we usually hunt. And he was just, just out flat. I mean, all he saw was big, my, actually my son, youngest son saw him first and heard him I look and um it was just too late but he was he was out flat <laughs> and just all, all i saw was bone and, and he would have been a good one but man he in one bound he was he was gone in the whip oh. so, yeah yeah so he had a, you know, super crunchy um and the winter beach it's tough to see you know, those leaves that just hang on the beach, the small little uh, beach. Sure. So he just, he just disappeared. You could hear him go, but that was about it. So Man. Well, that's when I knew, like that was the second day and I just knew it was going to be a tough year. Yeah. Yeah. Well, sounds like it. <laughs> it sounds like you also though adjusted. Well, if that's the only time that that, that you saw that happen, you know, that means you guys were, you guys were making the right adjustments. And I've actually heard that tip before too, where people have suggested, you know, to switch up your walking cadence, you know, the, the, a lot of times people get so deliberate and, and honestly, we've talked about this before. I think Alex, where this is something I've really been learning the last two seasons, especially, uh, Hunters that insist on being comfortable, that's fine, but they need to understand that 
they're losing on, out on opportunities. You know, oh, if, yeah. if you're, yeah. you know, where comfort and success intersect, it is not often, <laughs> you know, it's just yeah. your, your chances of being successful are go up when you make yourself uncomfortable. They do. They do. I mean, whether that means you're going to be choosing to sit on the ground instead of a, a ground blind in the wide open or sit on a log pile instead of on a lawn chair or in a tree stand, you know, I mean, you got to get to where the animals are, but yeah. the, the other way that I think that that comes to bite people a little bit is when they, you know, don't, they don't switch up things like as simple as walking into the woods with, with a better, you know, a better walking rhythm or something that doesn't sound so human, you know, you know, mix up your, your foot pattern. Because the fact of the matter is when you see a buck walking through the woods, they make noise. They're not, you know, dead silent. They're, they're crunching on leaves. So try and sound like that. You know, that's what, that's, that goes back to that primal instinctive way of, of hunting really. I mean, making those little tweaks like that, you can really set yourself ahead. So I like that a lot. So, so kind of, I believe oh, go ahead. Your, move, your movement is totally, um, just totally part of the game when you're, when you're hunting the way we do. So if you, if you're going through the woods and it's not windy out and you're moving your arms everywhere hmm. and you start grabbing, you know, limbs to help yourself through the woods or you're just getting, you know, you know, people just have a tendency to touch a limb when they go by it. Yeah. You just, you activated that antenna and that's the only thing moving in the woods, right? Yeah, that's true. So when it's really, I like the really windy days, um, where all the limbs are moving, you yes. know, yep. so what little movement that you're doing is, is kind of being hidden in there and the deer have a difficult time, more difficult time anyway, seeing you, you know, yep. when you are moving, yeah, when I travel through point. the woods, I keep my, I keep my arms and my hands close to my body. And I'm just super disciplined when it comes to my movement, you know, yep. I'm not, mm-hmm. you know, right the waves here and there quickly. I'm just using my head movement and just, you just got to be disciplined. And the way I, the way I tell my son is you need to hunt like something's hunting you. Mm. You wouldn't run through the woods if something was hunting you. You just got to be aware of your surroundings and what's, what's watching you. So, um, that's the way I take an approach to it. Yeah, I think that's great. Mm-hmm. That's a great thing to to put in your mind. Hunt like you're being hunted. Yeah, that's a great way to say it. And you know, I've I've used that same that same idea here in an Iowa forest, which is a cornfield. <laughs> it's always great to use sta- standing corn to access a, a good hunting spot on a windy day because there there's nothing. There's no place louder on the map than to be inside that cornfield on a windy day. You can get away with murder, you know? And so, yeah, use those, use those weather conditions too, to, to help you out. That's a, that's a great point. So you hunted New Hampshire and Vermont. Did you guys get up to Maine as well this year? Yes, I did there too. So, um, I don't like to go to other States until I score in my home state. I don't know. Sure. Thing in my, Sure. Well, more of a pride thing. Maybe that's a bunch. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think it was like middle November, and I was just get, it was getting a little nervous with the New Hampshire and the conditions. It was two weeks of just bone chilling weather with no snow, and 
and uh, I was able to score on a you know on a decent buck here. It was definitely no huge buck, but it was the situation, the hunt, everything. The camera was on, and it was just an awesome hunt. I had mm. so much fun, my funnest hunts, and it wasn't even a monster buck, you know. That's awesome. So we we capitalized on him. Then I go to Maine, and um, again, same type of weather. And Alex actually brought up, do I attack the ridges? And yes, I did do that. It was a kind of a different methodology for me that day. Um, I do go up on ridges, but I, I really went out of my way to go up on a ridge because it was so thick and it was so steep, right? Mm-hmm. So I just I looked at my topographical map and I'm like, man, that is a really long, narrow um, ridge right there. I'm like, and there was a bowl, that narrow ridge, and it kind of curved, and it made a nice bowl. And I, when I went up to that bowl that I saw on the map, it was just pounded in there. So I used the wind. Obviously, you got to use the wind just like you would when you're stand hunting, right? Yep. So I used the wind to my advantage as well. And I'm like, well, you know what? If this, this works out and I at least see some sign, I, you know, the victory today would just be a good scouting report, and I'll come back when there's some snow. So I went up there, and I up on this ridge and it was just pounded up there and it was a nice run running east to west and the the wind was coming from the west and i was on the eastern side of that ridge i was like you know what i was going to move to another area and i was like you know what it's noon by the time i get to that area it's gonna be too late let's just let's do something different let's sit for a little bit and it was probably about 45 minutes and that buck came through that the nice little eight pointer came through and that's on the that's on the YouTube channel there too. Okay. And uh, so that that was a that was a really fun hunt just because it was unexpected, just because of the the tactic that was used. Sure. And uh, it, it it was good. Yep. It was it was we were really fortunate there. So then awesome. when uh, I got him down, then we went to Vermont, and uh, we finally had some snow. So that was, that was awesome. We had some great snow. So, yep. Um, went up there. I'd been in there once before and, uh, but not to this specific area that I was heading. Um, this one's on our YouTube as well. And I just attacked the saddle. I had a plan. I, I stuck to it and that was key. Um, yeah. went up there and, just attacked that saddle, did some grunting on the way up. And it was funny because I was actually just the stupid stuff that we do in the woods, right? Taking pictures <laughs> of our guns. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I, I, I just put my, uh, I was so proud of my new muslin, right? My woodman arm. You know, I love that thing. And, uh, and no, I don't get anything out of them. So, <laughs> so you know, it's but a good one, right? It is a great muslin. So I'll give why not so i leaned up against the tree i'm like man that's just a cool picture so i take a picture of it i no sooner get my gun back i let out a a bleat and then a couple grunts after and i'm just looking for like five minutes around just head on a swivel and i look over my left shoulder and there he is and i'm like get out of here So yeah, I put one put one right into the boiler room on him. That was my that's uh my first kill with that muzzleloader there. So man, and, um, how cool man, it's awesome. He was he was a stud. 
he was a stud for a Vermont deer. So that's awesome. So you, so you hit the, the new England hat trick this year, man. That's yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I love yeah, it. You know. And it just goes to show you, you know, um, regardless of the conditions, you just can't quit. You never quit. You get after it. You're going to have days that you don't want to go out and it's going to be miserable out there. You know, it's going to be bone chilling cold, but you, if you don't get out there, you can't get them from the couch. You That's just right. got to get after it. That's right. Yep. Well, that goes back to the comfort thing. You know, it's, Mm-hmm. That that's so spot on. I, I I've always said that to clients. You know, if uh, if you're uncomfortable, that's where you're going to get the the greatest reward. You know, so mm-hmm. it's it's oh, yeah. it, it, it's one of those factors. You got to go out. So to your point, yeah. If it's if the weather sucks, you're you're probably better off getting out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you I know, had one two years. I had a, a, the main, the main buck that I shot two years ago, Alex. It was so cold. When I have that little, uh, my little, uh, my little toque there, I call it the, the little orange wool hat. I never wear that thing. So when I wear it, I am freezing. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, I, and I couldn't wait. I shot that buck. I couldn't wait to get my hands in him and just warm up in, in his cavity. Oh, yeah. It was, it was that cold. If, if that's yeah. not savage, I don't know what is. I love it. Yeah, yeah that's right. That's primal. I, I swear, I was like, I just kept my hands there. I'm like, this is like heating packets. <laughs> no, I, I, I've been there. I, I'm like replaying in my brain three years ago. I, I remember being in the same boat, and I totally connect yeah. to that. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. that's awesome. Well, well, man, I mean, such a such a great year for you. But I I think I, if I remember correctly, I saw there was someone else tagging along with you this this season who was getting in on some of the action. You had uh one was it was it just one of your kids or did you have two of your kids along with you this season? So Brad? my 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 oldest is uh, he's in the service, so he's not he's down at Fort Bragg. Sure. And um, my middle guy is with me, Alden. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's trying to learn the way. That's awesome. What a, what a fun time in life for, for your family where you get to, you know, really start enjoying those rites of passage and, and, uh, seeing the deeper meaning and, and just from, uh, I believe I follow your oldest son on Instagram and, he's obviously has a, has a passion for the outdoors and, and, um, you know, everything that your family enjoys doing. And so hunting helps deepen those connections, I think. And, uh, it's really cool to see you bringing him along. Did he, did he end up filling a tag this year? He did not. He came super close. Um, he just, we, we weren't able to connect. And and to be honest with you too, I get a heck of a lot more time in the woods than those guys, yeah. you know, yep. they, they get the weekend and, uh, Thanksgiving, um, vacation. Sure. And I usually let them, I usually let them uh, stay home from school for <laughs> a day or so. Hey, that's oh, nice. uh, learning. That's learning. It is, you know, yep. you're learning yep. the skill. For sure. I wouldn't trade it in anything. They're learning it the right way. And, um, and it's just so much fun. They're, they're, they're learning more about than just hunting. They're, they're learning about discipline and woodsmanship yep. and, um, yeah, just appreciating everything. And, and you guys do a great job by promoting the youth hunting. I think that's awesome. We need more youth hunters. We need to yes. increase 
our hunting population as a whole. Yes. And that's another that, that's what we do too with uh, white mountain buck trackers. We're just trying to like share our enthusiasm and our passion, you know, and hopefully it just gets contagious and spreads to everybody. So yeah. Yep. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, I, I love that message and I, I couldn't agree with you more. You know, we, we did a big episode on that, uh, in response to a pretty, uh, pretty, uh, hot debate that took place in the hunting world. Oh, I don't know. Maybe what was it, Alex, maybe three, four months ago, oh, yeah. now, I suppose. But, yeah. but, um, we, uh, we kind of laid that out and absolutely we, we need, we need more folks out there, you know, and even from a, as much as I love hunting, conservation is, is the most important side of it to me personally. And yep. there's a lot of different people at the table of conservation. A lot of people that are, that don't hunt, that are just as passionate about, about wildlife and, and, you know, the the vegetation that we still the native vegetation that that we still see on the landscape and we're trying to recover but if they don't hunt then they are not viewing conservation issues from a hunter's standpoint and for some folks they could flat out be anti-hunters but there's other folks that just maybe thinking of making decisions and lobbying for laws that are not very favorable to hunting uh, just because they simply don't hunt. And so if we can get more people into hunting, then we can, we can ensure that hunters will always have a voice at that table, which is critically important for uh, not just us to, to live out our days as hunters, but to see our kids and grandkids being able to enjoy it as we did. And hopefully even more so um, as time goes on. But, but um, yeah, such an important message there for sure. Well, uh, any, um, so, so the, the challenging conditions, the new England hat trick, which is just really cool there. How, how many days did you end up spending in the field this season altogether? Do you think Brad, was it like three big trips and a new Hampshire trip, a Vermont trip and a main trip, or were you able to get out quite a bit this season? So I, I get out a lot, you know, awesome. um, yeah, I, I use my vacation time, um, you know, I get more time than obviously I did when I, when I started out in this career. Um, and I, I, you know, time in the woods is a huge benefit. Mm. You know, it gives you obviously more chances, right? But I look at it as you, you know, you have more bass at the plate. You learn from every time that you, you get up to plate, right? Yeah. Great, great yeah. point. So, um, you, and that's the same thing with you take a track, you take a track, that's your bat at plate. And you learn from every track you take. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I like that. that's a good way to say it. Yeah, sure. so I, I got, I do get out a lot. That there's no secret behind that. And I travel. I don't stay anywhere. I, I travel. Um, you know, I get in my truck in the morning. It could be four o'clock in the morning, or I've even left. Um, you know, three thirty in the morning to travel uh, up to Pittsburgh, um, and hopefully have good snow and, and to cut a track and, you know, maybe not, maybe I do, maybe I don't, you know, but yeah. you certainly don't know if you, if you don't go. So, yeah, um, that's true. but yeah, no, I'm, I'm in the woods quite a bit. That's, yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> hold, no, hold 
stepping back on that. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, yeah, that's, that's great that you're able to get out, get your kids out and, and everything else. You know, one thing that I was kicking myself that I meant to ask about in the first time I interviewed you. And in fact, I think you were, you even intended to talk about this because you, if I remember correctly in the interview, you said you started talking about the specific rifles that you guys use. And you're like, you know, and I'll get around to explaining this. Well, as a conversation <laughs> went, we never got around to explaining it. And I know you've posted some information and maybe even I've seen it in your YouTube videos. You've talked about it a little bit um, before, yeah. but you guys use a very specific rifle for uh, your, uh, of course, you know, you also have muzzleloader seasons and you're using muzzleloaders for those, obviously. But, but during rifle season, there's a specific rifle that you guys, uh, all of you use, if I remember correctly, your, your dad, you kids. Yep. Um, can you kind of uh, explain what that rifle is and why you use it? So we use, um, we use Remington 7600s. Uh, people aren't familiar with them. They're, they're pump action carbines. They're 18 <laughs> and a half inches long and they're pumps. And, wow. Um, yep. Uh, we started, you know, my little man started uh, with a pump, uh, excuse me, with a bolt. Okay. You know, when he was, when he was young. Uh, and, and as time went on, then um, he went to uh, semi-auto, which is the Remington 7400. And I think he had a lever. He had a 3030 back in the way back in the day. Okay. We we learn as we go on, and then he got into he had a 7400. Like he had some issues with it, whether it froze up or it jammed or so forth. So so we did shoot a lot of a lot of animals, a moose, a bear, and a deer in the same. You actually in an elk with a Remington wow. 742. He had a nice year. Yeah. Where, yeah. Where did so, where did you guys come across elk at? So he went out to Colorado. Okay. Uh, that year. I was like, man, was that like a Pennsylvania elk or something? No, that is that's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah, that was. I uh, I may have had a trifecta, but he had a year that year. That was just awesome. Yeah. Man. So then he moved on. He had, he had some issues with the 742. Um, there's an issue with the. Um, we we're just talking about this actually in Facebook, I believe, with somebody, and it was uh, it has to do with the receiver and the rails in the receiver. They wear out. They have an expiration, basically. Okay. So it takes quite a few rounds, but he actually he had that gun for quite a few years since like the late 70s, mid 70s, maybe. Okay. So. He, he went from that and then he went to the pump and then the pump was just, I mean, I can shoot that pump just as quick as you can in the semi. Okay. Accurately. Yeah. You know what I mean? If yep. you're putting accurate rounds down range in the woods, you can shoot a pump just as quick. Yeah. Sure. And it's just more, yeah, you do. Th there, there's less mechanically to go wrong with a pump than a, than an auto feeder exactly. like that. Okay. Yep. And the, the reason you have to, have those succinct shots one right after another is if I remember correctly, it's because a lot of times you're shooting deer that are on the move because they're, they're getting alerted to Holy cow, someone's right on my tracks. And then you got to yep. quick, get a shot off. Right. Yep. Yep. Um, most of my deer have been, you know, 50 and in, and I had one two years ago that was uh, five to seven yards away in a <laughs> thick swamp area. Wow. Wow. Man, he was, he was a he was a beast, just rack wise. Um, 
and he, he, he was intimidating. I mean, five, seven yards away, and you just see time coming out of nowhere, out of these, uh, these fir trees. And you could, I could smell them just before that. So it did, it did caution me to just be like, all right, you need to stop. You need to look, listen, and keep your head on a swivel. And, um, yeah, yeah. That is so it was, cool. It was. Talk about an adrenaline rush. I was, supposed to have my, I was supposed to have my GoPro that day. I forgot <laughs> it. And that would have been oh, a killer YouTube. <laughs> yeah, it would have. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Um, but that was, you know, you, you, man, it's just, I don't know. Those, the 7600s, they're just, I think they're indestructible. They're available in big calibers. Um, though I didn't know there's as many calibers available in that gun than I thought. Um, sure. you know, they have 270, 308, 30 odd six. Um, I have a 30 odd six and a 35 Whalen. My father does too. Okay. Uh, Alden uses my six. Um, we use 180 grain, uh, core locks, um, for his, uh, 30 odd six. Um, I, I went to a Barnes TTSX 200 grain and that is just an absolute beast. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If you want to, if you want to cut wood and get venison, go with the 35 Whalen. Can't, can't that. You know, firewood and fresh venison. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That is that is awesome, man. Man, I am just like getting jacked right now, wanting to do this so bad. Alex, <laughs> we're go- we're going to New Hampshire, buddy. Oh yeah. yeah. All right. We're we're going. I'll fly. I don't know about you. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. We'll- <laughs> so one thing we also do too is we, we played around with this. I was a little stubborn on it, but um, my old man went with the red dot. Okay. Um, he threw that on there and the scopes are just, you know, it works for some people. Um, I just have a frustration of, um, getting, you know, wiping snow out of it all the time, fog and so forth. Sure. Yeah. So, so then I went to a peep. Um, the peep was really good, but, um, as we get older, you know, focusing on rear sight, front sight, and then your target, while while a deer is moving like grease lightning through <laughs> through a swamp, it's a little tougher. So that red dot um, is, I think, if you put it forward as far as you can go on that rail, it's like a scout gun. You have a great, and the biggest thing is it's a great okay. field of view. You keep both eyes yeah. open, um, and you have such a great field of view. It's it's insane. That's an awesome little tip there. That's huge for yep. someone wanting to do that. Yep. Now, now before we, we move away from this and I forget, people may be listening and be like, wait, what? You guys are shooting deer on the run? Isn't that unethical? Well, first of all, we just talked about that's the nature of what it's going to be when you're tracking a deer down. You're not, you're not going to be seeing something, you know, uh, totally unbothered, you know, grazing out in the middle of the wide open, just waiting free to shoot them. I mean, they're going to be that there's the nature of what you're doing is going to lead to that. Secondly, if you watch their YouTube channel, you guys have quite the contraption you've rigged up for practicing those on the move shots, right? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. People it, usually get a kick out of that. Yeah, it's got it's kind of like a like almost like a zip line with a big deer target yeah. attached to it. That that you guys and and it's in the woods too. Like you send it down that zip line through through yeah. the wooded area, so you got obstacles there, and it's moving as from what I can tell about as fast as a buck is going to be running, right? Yeah, it's moving as fast as we can get it to move. Um. So yeah, it's 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 as close to the real thing as you can get, I would think. So in my opinion. Sure. But, yeah. So you guys yep. are you guys are practiced in that. Whereas, you know, somebody who's doing that here in Iowa, uh, rarely is that a shot unless you do a lot of deer drives. Rarely are you having to having to shoot something that's really scooting like that. So you're not going to be practiced here in Iowa to do that. <laughs> Whereas what you guys are doing, that's that's how you guys. Uh, get it done so for sure that's you know people need to understand that well yeah, um, we do yeah we do tires too that's another thing we do okay um, i guess i'll get that on video sometime we do tires <laughs> and we'll put cardboard in the middle of it and we'll roll them down a hill and let them bounce that is then, awesome uh, <laughs> that yep. just sounds like a great time <laughs> well, it's, it's a blast. we have a we have fun it's a little expensive nowadays but with the ammo but yes. it's fun Yes, yes, it is. Ammo is yeah. really expensive, but and we'll also eat with red dot because we use red dots in our rifles. So we try to keep everything with a red dot. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, hey, I got a, I have a thirty thirty, you know, model uh, Winchester model ninety four. Would I be able to nice. to haul that out and and put it to work in uh, New Hampshire and think I'd be successful with that? That'd be a great gun. In fact, you know what, Ken. Um, a lot of guys that want something that's quick, like like a seventy six hundred, but don't do the seventy six hundred. The lever is the other option. Okay, good to know. Yeah, yeah. A lot of guys go with like the th- you know thirty thirty. I think what has killed probably the most deer in the whole country that round. I'd venture to say that you know that's sure. Yeah, and um, you know those lever actions are just as um, you know, dependable, I would say it's just, a, it's just, it's just something that you're used to. You yeah. know, if you're good with that lever, working that lever, that is quick. If you're good with a pump, that's quick. Awesome. Well, you hear that, Alex, I got my gun. I don't know if you got yours yet, but, uh, um, of course we could, we could trade off, you know, well, I'll, uh, as long as you're there to help drag the deer. <laughs> well, it's either that or a slug of some sort or, uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. You could I, go. I got my, I got yeah. my 450. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, that 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 probably probably get her done there. That's a good Midwestern round these days, for sure. I mean, guys use guys use lever actions. Uh, the you know the forty four or four forty four or whatever, and then oh, yeah. forty five seventy, thirty five rem. Obviously, the thirty thirty. I just like a, I like that heavier, beefier round. Sure, um, and that's why this thirty five Whalen works for me because it's still got some great velocity. Yeah, that is, man, that is so cool. I'm like, I'm just, I'm, I'm super wound up about this, Alex. I'm the second this call ends, I'm texting you about what you're doing in October this year. Is that, uh, (laughs) is that, so when, before I get too excited, when is rifle season in New Hampshire and Vermont and Maine for people that maybe, maybe just as excited as I am right now? So, um, in New Hampshire, your rifle season uh, well, your muzzleloader season starts November 1st, October 31st. It's, it's, it's within plus or minus two days, depending on the calendar. And then um, rifle season is anywhere from November 10th to, 
I think the, the earliest is like the 10th, I believe. Okay. And then like the 13th, it's right around those days. It's all dependent on the calendar. And sure. It really goes anywhere from the 5th to the 9th. And the same thing with Maine. Maine is um, right around November uh, 1st, I believe. You can't hunt on Sundays in Maine. Okay. So that's still kind of the old way. Yeah, um, the Vermont, blue laws. Yeah, Vermont's a little weird with their rifle season. They are in the middle of our rifle season when theirs starts. So, um, yeah, it's a little wacky. And I think their rifle season's only like two weeks long. Okay. So, yeah. And then Maine, <clears throat> Maine and Vermont do a muzzleloader season at the end, where we have ours in the beginning. Okay. So, yeah. so, so yeah. your guys, your guys' muzzleloader season ends more like late October then. Yeah. So our muzzle, no, our muzzleloader season is first. So our muzzleloader season starts October thirty first, um, and it goes till the till the start of rifle season. So let's pick a day like November tenth. So it's okay. basically tenth muzzleloader, and then sure. we go to rifle user muzzleloader if you want. But um, whereas Maine and Vermont they do their muzzleloader season at the end. Sure. So like, uh, muzzle, and they'll take like a week, I believe, at least Vermont does, takes like a week break. And so like the 5th to the, I don't know, 13th or something like that from their muzzleloader season. And that's the end of their season. Man, that is, that is so tantalizing. <laughs> Man, that, yeah, it all sure. just, it just sounds like so action packed, really fast paced, but, I mean, you're still under control. I mean, it's almost like it sounds like a like a, a military mission almost, you know, like the the adrenaline's got to be through the roof when you're doing that, but you yeah. still have to be so disciplined and under control, you know, not not uh barging in there like a bull in the china shop. You got to you got to be uh smooth and and precise and and, and really careful. And you really I cannot stress enough uh Kent and Alex that you have got to just have the mindset because it is an emotional, like up and down roller coaster. Mm. You know, you sure. can see nothing, nothing for days, and that will drive people insane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you gotta, you gotta have that. You gotta have that locked yeah. in your brain going into it. I gotta think is just be like, hey, I may, I may strike out for <laughs> quite a while yeah. here. But I mean, there's there's been years I've only seen three deer. Wow. Yeah. 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 I believe that. But yeah. I, I think people just got to be prepared for that no matter where they're hunting, especially if you're hunting public land. You got to go into it knowing, mm. yeah. you know, it exactly. is a monster. And, and if you're going to go in there going, I'm going to see a hundred deer today, like you're going to be sorely disappointed. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a great point, Alex. And even heartbreaking. Yep. Yeah. And it, it's important to stress that with your, with your, uh, your youth hunter too and i've i've always stressed that with my boys like hey you know if you want to do it this way it's the most adrenaline packed way you're going to go from zero to 100 in in a second (laughs) yeah i love that those times where you feel tired and it's cold and this and that just remember those are probably going to be the times that you see one yep yep for sure that that's that's uh man such a such a good way of of looking at it the right attitude and you got to be in love with the process too you know the being in love with with uh the hardship the suffering the primal aspects the the you know ducking under trees without 
making branches sway everywhere, trying not to crunch on leaves, you know, walking with the right pace and, and cadence, you know, you got to be in love with all of that. And, and, uh, that's, you know, man, this, that's the kind of stuff that writes its own book, you know, when you, when you put it all together and, and you have that success. Yeah, definitely. Well, Hey, before uh, we wrap this one up, we want to make sure our listeners know how to get in touch with Brad and everyone else out there in New Hampshire with white mountain buck trackers, maybe get some uh, merch for yourself. Um, where, first of all, where can people find you? Like what's your, what's the best way to get in touch with white mountain buck trackers? So we have a pretty good um, Instagram following, Kent. You can go to um, White Mountain Buck Trackers, punch that in there. It's, it's technically white um, underscore MTN underscore buck underscore trackers with an S. Mm. Uh, do that way. Um, if you got any questions and so forth, I love talking about hunting 24-7, 365. <laughs> so, um, I'm all. Yep. <laughs> yeah, my wife. My wife thinks I'm crazy that I want November right now. And we just got done winter, so yep, I'm the same uh, way, buddy. <laughs> oh, um, and the other way, we have a good Facebook, um, good Facebook following. Just go to White Mountain Buck Trackers. We're in there, and then um, you can get to our YouTube that way, and so forth. So, and then we have our website, which is just www.whitemountainbucktrackers all spelled out dot com, and in there you can get our gear. Uh, we have blogs. We have, um, you can, you can access our YouTube there and so forth. So yeah, yeah we, we appreciate everybody's support and we have a lot of fun doing it. So it is a lot of work, but I wouldn't do it if I didn't have fun doing it either. So, right. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. So make sure you guys follow along, give them that follow on Instagram, follow their page on Facebook, subscribe to YouTube and get binging those videos. You're going to want to, they're such, such great adventures to, to tune into and start dreaming about your own hunting goals and aspirations and, and your days in the woods. So make sure you follow after them. And they're just really good people too. Good Americans. Uh, the the oh, Willie fam, family. They, yeah, absolutely. We, we really appreciate your service in the military and, and your sons as well. And also uh, in the community as a, uh, a police officer, just, um, just, just uh, somebody who who values what we have here in America and wants to uh, keep it around. So we appreciate that. We all benefit from it. And um we love watching what you do in the woods, man. It's, it's a, you make hunting exciting. You know, it's the kind of thing that gets people, people's heart going when they see that and, and really wanting to get connected to it. So I know that's where I am right now. I really want to go out and try this. Probably. I, I think this has moved up on my list above Sika deer, Alex, believe it or not. This is uh this is uh, really high on my list right now. Might even be above antelope right now. Uh, what? Just, I know. What? I know. I know. <laughs> notice, I didn't, notice how I didn't say anything about sheds, Alex. But no, I'm just yeah, kidding. I know. I know. Yeah, this guy's got a shed problem. Yeah. Oh no, I'm just kidding. I, I would. I would definitely give up some shed hunting time for uh for a. Uh, white mountain buck tracker style oh, there you go that's, you all heard it you all right. heard it listeners right. heard it i'm i'm like 
I'm like bouncing to my chair right now, man. This is this just got me. It's like you know when you're in uh, you're playing like middle school football and you watch uh, Remember the Titans for the first time. You know you're just like ready to go beat your head against somebody else's head by the time you're done watching. That's how I'm getting a little dose of that right now listening to this. So, <laughs> but well, no, we appreciate you coming you on guys, the show, Brad. And you uh, guys come up with time for it. We'll take you out. Oh, I would absolutely. I'm definitely taking you up on that, man. I would, uh, I'm going to be there. And Alex, <laughs> you're halfway in between, buddy. So uh, I'll only yeah. have to fly half as far. I'll drive to your house and then we'll get on. I was about to say, you're picking me up on the way. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that way you can, you can call me down when I got to check in my 3030 at uh, baggage check. Oh, in. Uh, <laughs> I'm still scared. Fine, buddy. I'm still scared to death to do that. <laughs> we got, After we you got do couple, it, you're going to be like a couple extra. Yeah, hey, there we go. We could use uh use one of the uh, the 7600s. That'd be awesome. But uh yeah. so anyways, well thank you so much Brad. Thank you to everyone listening in. Thank you Alex for joining today. Be sure you head over to East to West Hunts at alexgruen.com and get signed up with Alex so you can do things like go to New Hampshire, Maine, Vermont, or even like our uh, buddies out there in Rhode Island just to hunt the great opportunities that exist there in New England or set your sights west. Whatever you want to do, you're going to want to talk to Alex because he knows how to get you there and uh, what you're going to need to to be successful. So make sure you do that. And don't forget about um, our title sponsor here on the First Gen Hunter podcast, good old Spartan Forge. You need to talk to Bill if you haven't yet and get yourself a subscription to Spartan Forge, the absolute best deer behavior prediction app on the market. I don't care what you heard about the other ones that exist. Spartan Forge is better. Yep, I'll go that far to say that. And you can enjoy the incredible mapping features that exist there as well. And also uh, the different layers as far as ground cover with crop rotations, timber size, everything else that's that's there on Spartan Forge. You're going to want to check that out. But with all that said and all that done, be sure you uh, head over to firstgenhunter.com as well and see everything that we got listed there for you. And until next time, take care and take someone hunting. <laughs>